This right. is an eight iron, and it's a dead shank. Wow. Way right. Oh, Takes a hop shank. off the path. You gotta be kidding me. Very tough pitch shot right here. You gotta hit it into the hill. One hop up and bite, and it's in. Kind of like that. Well, I would like to welcome a six-time winner around the world in professional golf, Champions Tour player, noted instructor, you know, short game, long game, all of it, Skip Kendall to the Sub-70 podcast. Uh, Pro, thanks for, for taking the time today to do, to do this. Looking forward to the conversation. Uh, me too, Jason. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, how are things down in Orlando? I was down there a week or so ago, had the honor of playing with you for two days. Um, very cool from my my you know standpoint of uh, watching a professional play, and I'm always you know not amazed because I've done it enough. But how much better a touring professional is than your than your good amateur player? So it was so much fun to watch a play. But how are things back home? How are things in Florida? And you know, sort of uh, you know, what's the landscape down there right now, basically? Well, you know, it's uh, pretty crazy this week. Everyone's getting ready for the PGA show. So um, a lot of people are in town. It's obviously a lot warmer than where you are. Um, you know, uh, we enjoy the weather down here. And having grown up in Wisconsin, um, you know, I pretty much shoveled my last driveway. I don't think that's going to be happening anymore. I'm, I'm down here for good. It's nice. I can't blame you. We had a great time being down there, you know, at, at Hawks Landing and, and going to play the Grove and stuff. It was a blast. And uh, we'll yeah, get in. Yeah. Oh, God. Like, how good was that, right? Like, the Grove is. Yeah, it was fun. It was, it's always fun going down there. thousand percent. Well, we'll get into your playing career a little bit later, but I'm, I'm, I'm always, like, fascinated by teaching and how we all get better with golf. So my, my first question with that is, like, how did you go – because I know you still play the Champions Tour, and I know once that kind of fires up, you're still a competitor and you want to play well out there. But how did you also go into teaching? Like, how did that transition happen? You know, I can go back to a few things. I never thought about, when I was playing, especially on tour, I, gosh, I just never thought about, you know, ever teaching. Um, it kind of, I, I'll tell you when the first thing, my wheels kind of got spinning when, Leading up to playing on the Champions Tour, um, I wasn't getting into a lot of tour events, so I ended up playing, um, you know, a whole bunch out on the, uh, you know, what's what's the Corn Ferry Tour now, and, you know, really you can walk up and down the range tee, and everyone looks like they're, you know, number one in the world. The sounds great, the swings are awesome. You know, these are young kids that have, you know, really done well in college, and they're, you know getting their feet wet playing and, you know, they're one step away from being on the PGA tour. The funny thing was is when I went out and played and I played with a lot of these kids, um, really the vast majority of them hadn't really learned how to play yet. And I really realized that too, when a lot of the caddies out there on the corn Ferry tour were, were caddies that, may have caddied for even a long period of time on the regular tour and hoping to latch on to one of the young kids that might be able to, you know, get back, get onto the PGA tour and, you know, they're off to the races. Well, a lot of these caddies would approach me after the round and they're like, Hey man, can you go talk to my player about that shot? You hit into seven. I mean, my player, he doesn't have that shot. And he's never thinking about that kind of stuff. And 
you know, so on and so forth. And this happened quite a bit. And, you know, at first I was like, listen, why would I want to, I'm playing against him. I don't want to, I'm not going to help him right now. You know, um, if he wants to come over and talk to me, sure. I have no problem talking to him and, you know, answering any questions that he may have. And anyway, that kind of started, it kind of got my wheels spinning a little bit about, hmm, you know, maybe I do know a little bit more than, you know, I think I do. And one other thing happened. I was, I was at the time with my coach, uh, Brian Mogg. Um, it was right early in my champions tour career when I started playing out there. Um, and the mother of one of uh, his students, she was 13 at the time and really a phenom approached me about, you know, can you help my daughter out? Um, and I was a little flabbergasted at first because I was like, well, what do you mean? I mean, he's, you know, she's working with Brian. He's like, no, no, no. You know, she comes here and she gets, you know, an hour of, you know, full swing lessons, but nothing else. I want you to help her with everything else, you know, short game, how to play, you know, so on and so forth. And I'm, I'm like, wow, okay. That, you know, and that was really, she was the first person that, you know, that I ever, you know, got together with. And, and it was really cool because that summer she ended up winning a couple of AJGA events and, you know, I felt like I had a little bit of a hand in it. And, you know, honestly, that was a really cool feeling. And so from there, it just kind of grew just little bit by little, little by little word of mouth, um, you know, started getting some more students and, you know, I could do this while I was playing the champion store because I, you know, champion store doesn't play every week. So I was home and, you know, I could see students, uh, you know, on weeks off and stuff. And um, it, it just ended up growing from there. And finally, after the 2019 year, I played a full year. I just, after 33 years of playing professional golf, I, I just kind of had enough, Jace. I, I just couldn't, uh, you know, myself get motivated to, oh my gosh, you know, I was going to have to go back to Q school and I ended up not because I just, I had had enough. And, you know, at that point really started to build, you know, what's turned into now, you know, a, a pretty good uh, situation for teaching and coaching. And um, it, it's been a lot of fun and I'm, you know, fortunate to have had a lot of, you know, have a lot of really nice players, young players, juniors and college players. And, um, you know, all the way up to, I've helped, you know, some of the guys on the champions tour. So, and everyone in between, that's for sure. So it's been a lot of fun. What, what do you, you know, these guys have these, you know, like you said, you see them on the corn Ferry tour and they're six foot three and the ball speeds 182 miles an hour with the driver. And it look, it looks superb, right? Where do you think they've got that? But where was the art lost that you had to teach? You know, you're, you're teaching them from all years of experience. Where do you think, why don't you think they had that attribute that you could see from playing professional golf for so long? You know, they got, they've got, they got, on paper, like I said, it looks like number one player in the world, but the art of getting the ball in the hole. Like, where do you think that gets lost with this younger generation? Or my follow-up to that would be, did you not have it at first? And you had to learn it with experience when you came out there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think, well, for me, I think it was, you know, more of an experience thing. Um, You know, I'm not sure I had all of that when I first got out there, you know, but you learn. And I think it's the same with a lot of the players, especially the young players today. You know, they have one gear, and you've seen it. It's full throttle, and these kids are hitting it so far. It's really incredible. It really is. And I think, 
you know, for the amateurs who really haven't seen it up close and personal, it's a big difference. I mean, the amateur game now compared to the professional game, you know, the swing speeds are just so much different that it's, it's on a totally different level. And, um, you know, some of the things that I saw when I got out there was, you know, say, for instance, a, a pin on a back tier where you would have one of those kids, you know, even if they hit it way down there, say they even have lob wedge in there, there's no chance you're keeping a lob wedge up on that back tier. If you landed on the back tier, it was going to spin back off, you know, middle of the green, maybe even to the front of the green. Or, you know, it was going to one-hop it over the green, um, and they just didn't have a, a chance of, of hitting that shot, where for me, I would have, you know, gone down in club, one club, maybe even two clubs, hit a little lower shot in there, you know, kind of ran it up the tier onto the back tier. And it was just stuff like that that I saw. A lot of course management situations that, you know, I'm like, what is this guy doing, you know? And it, it was just, it was really, you know, kind of raised a lot of red flags for just, you know, course management, how to play the game, different shots in different situations, you know, where you need to hit shots, how you need to set up the hole. You know, it's a chess game out there. And like I said, a lot of these kids, while they look great, it's just full throttle, full out. And wherever the ball goes, they find it and hit it again. There's not, uh, there wasn't a lot of thought going on. So, you know, I know the game has changed too. And these, these kids on the Corn Ferry Tour are so good now. It's, it's, it's really, it's pretty amazing. And, um, you know, the, the kids that have figured it out and, you know, finish and do get their cards, finish in the top 25 for the year, they're ready to go. You know, they get on the PGA Tour and they're not afraid of anybody, anything. They're really ready to go. Yeah, and so. you also kind of watch, right? Like, even if they come out with all the horsepower at first and they're, you know, killing it, you know, like I said, that one gear, they, they, it seems like the players who really make it on the PGA Tour, I'm just like an example to me and just my head would be like, when Justin Thomas first came out and he had to go to the Corn Ferry Tour, you remember it was like full throttle all the time, and he got really good when he developed that little dead hand iron wedge sort of shot, right, where he just got better by actually backing it down at times versus hitting everything as hard as he could. And it's it's interesting to watch some of those guys, how they come out, and then they develop that part of their game, and all of a sudden they get pretty elite or very elite, right? But I don't think you can get A without B. Right, you got to have the horsepower, and you still have to be able to manage your way around. And especially on the PGA Tour, the pins are even tucked more, right? And to to, to hit well, all of the sure. shots in there, right? And you watch these; you can see these young guys develop. Then you're like, okay, this kid's now got it. No, and there's no doubt. I mean, you watch, you know, Justin Thomas is one of those guys. He happens to post a lot, so you know, I follow him, and you know, he'll he'll be hitting shots, and he'll be working on fades one day, or he'll be. You know, like you said, he'd be working on those wedge shots that you're talking about. Um, he's learned that it's not just one gear. And um, it takes a while to, you know, to really, you know, kind of hone in your skills to be able to do that and uh, to really kind of back off shots sometimes, you know. You know, maybe this is just a little 9 o'clock, you know, sand wedge, you know, instead of a, you know, full swing spinning you know, yeah, full tilt, right? Full out, full, yeah, yeah, exactly. Full out lob wedge or something. You know, you've you've got to you've got to be able to hit different shots in different situations. And 
you know, I think uh, as you as you grow as a player, you learn you learn to do that. But you got to remember these kids are in college, and uh, I, I just played with one the other day who, you know, you know, club speed is up to one thirty, and hitting it a mile. But again, he's got he's got one speed, and you know, he's a sophomore in college, and he you know he hasn't quite learned it yet, but but he will. He's a he's a really good player. He will do it. He will learn it. So, um, you know. I'm not working with him right now, so I don't, you know, I just happened to play a few holes with him the other day with one of my other students who was with him. So, um, but it was, it was pretty cool to see, you know, at that stage of his, you know, golfing career, where he's at. Yeah. And they all, like the greats all end up learning it, right? They just do. The power when you need it and the softness when you have to have it as well and and the combination of both. Um, I was going to ask you too, like when you first started working with that student, you said you were kind of taken aback. Or, hey, can you help with this other side of it? Was it pretty interesting to go down that road with that first student to realize how much knowledge you really had? Like, was it eye opening to you, where you're like, "Yes, I can answer that question, and this is how you'd go about it"? Like, was it was it a pretty interesting process for you to realize, "My goodness, I have a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge, and I've played with them all." And I really can share this with somebody and make them better. You know, that, that you kind of hit it on the head. I mean, that was pretty much it. I mean, you know, as a, as a, as a player, you know, now all of a sudden though, the shoe is on the other foot, you know, you're used to, you know, instructors, other people asking about you, you know, and now I had to turn that around though and ask a lot of, you know, kind of probing questions about, you know, feel and how is that? And let's talk about, you know, how to break down a golf course. You know, what are you thinking when you're out there? And and really it comes down to minimizing your thoughts, not more thoughts. I call all the rest noise. You know, you just want to concentrate on what you need to be focusing in on and nothing else. And, and don't overcomplicate it. You know, don't overanalyze it. You know, it is what it is. It's right there in front of you and, and let's go. But, you know, it's, I mean, I, you know, listen, how many times have you seen Tiger win a golf tournament not playing his best golf? I mean, he was, is probably one of the best at getting around a golf course yeah. with not playing all that great, you know? So, um, it was fun. I mean, it was great. I, I realized, you know, I, I, I thought to myself, you know, gosh, I've worked with some of the best instructors in the world. And I've worked with some of the best mental coaches in the world and life coaches. You know, I have all this stuff. I remember all this stuff. I, I, I have written down, I have journals of all my lessons, you know. Um, I think when you write it down, too, you, you really remember it a lot. And um, it's it definitely for the retention of it anyway, it was definitely good for me. And to be able to get it across, I felt like, you know, at that point with that first student that I had, I felt like I had a way of communicating well with people um, to be able to get my point across, to be able to show them also what needs to be done. I think that was, you know, pretty important that I could actually demonstrate too and, you know, show her what needed to be done and, you know, certain you know, shots or short game and distance wedges and, you know, then going to play with her on course and, you know, kind of showing her all that stuff too. It was, it was really, it was really cool. It was eye opening to me. And, um, I, 
never thought about it, never really, you know, it never really crossed my mind. I think as a player, you know, you, you have one goal and that's to play good and you're taking care of yourself and, you know, you're doing all the things you can to play well. It just never really crossed my mind. So, Working with Hank Haney, I know you were always in, admired his ability. You know, I heard an interview where you talked about how much you liked Marco Mir's golf swing, which I love the golf swing for just how simple it always looked, right? I mean, great player and just kind of up the line, down the line, body rotation, quiet hands. I always loved that move in his prime, but still great swing now even. But just it looks it looks uncomplicated. When you worked with Hank, what did you sort of take away from working with him uh, when he, you know, when he was working with you on your golf game? <laughs> well, with Hank anyway, um, first of all, I got to say about Marco Mira. So, you know, it's funny cause, uh, at, when I was growing up, you know, uh, you know, Mark was obviously, he's been a great player for a long time. He's a little older than me. Um, so there was a tape that an instructional tape, I think it was, you know, you know, one of those VHS things that yeah. you pop in here, you know, I mean, it was, it was old. I mean, this is from like when he was really young and that he had already started working with Hank Haney and, and Hank had, you know, come on there, kind of explained, to, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, they were working on and they just had a lot of, there was just a lot of Mark swinging on that, on that tape. And I swear to you, I think I wore that thing out as a kid. I mean, I played that over and over and over again. It's, this is something that I never even told Mark. I mean, cause now I'm, you know, I know Mark, you know, right. I played with him quite a bit. So, um, I don't think I, I don't think I ever told him that, but I, I wore that thing out. And so then I, I went to college, I went to UNLV. And when I got out there my last year, I went back for my fifth year. I was already done playing, but I, you know what? I said, I'm going to go back and get my degree. Um, I spent four years here. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to come out of here without a degree. So I went back that year and, and that year I really worked. I, I played a little bit with the team, you know, when they were practicing and stuff, but I really worked hard on my game. And one of the things I did at the time, Hank Haney was in uh, Palm Springs. He was working at um, PGA West. Um, that's where he was teaching at the time. So I could actually go there. I could drive there from, wasn't that far from Las Vegas. I mean, I could get there you know, pretty quick. And I would see him occasionally. And that really, I, I mean, I, I could, first of all, I could never, I couldn't believe I was doing it after watching those tapes as a kid. <laughs> right. Right. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden here I am working with, with, with Hank Haney. And honestly, this is, this is, this is like 35 years ago, maybe even more than that. So I don't quite actually remember how the lessons the one takeaway that I can get, get, get from it and that I could tell you is that he made it super easy. You know, here I thought I was going to go there and it was going to be like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do everything. And, and, um, you know, work on this for, you know, two years before I even see results or whatever, because of, you know, I know I, I knew I didn't have a very good golf swing at the time, but he made it very easy. And as I, you know, look back on my career too, whoever I've worked with it, whether it be, you know, Brian Ma, Gary Smith, David Ledbetter, Mike Bender, some of the best in the world, they all do. They all make it easy. They all have that way with students to get across their point and 
you know, whatever method they're teaching, you know, if it's, you know, I would consider Mike Bender way different than David Ledbetter or Brian Mogg, for instance, you know, um, it's a different methodology, but that being said, they're all good in what they do and they all totally believe in what they do and they make it easy. You know, you're, you're able to do it and it may take a little while to really, you know, kind of get the whole deal, but, I always, I always am leery of the the instructor that says, you know what, this is going to be a year. It's going to take you a year to get you where you need. Nah, you know what? As a coach, if if I don't make you better by the next day, I I haven't done my job. Now, granted, it takes a little while to maybe blend in all the stuff, and you know they say it takes 21 days to see any significant progress. But still, I want you better the next day. I, I don't need you to be working for six months and maybe get something, you know, that's crazy. So I was always leery of those guys that, that said this is going to be a, a big time, long time, you know, something that you're going to have to do over and over again before you even get it at all. I was leery of that. So, yeah, because it seems anyway. like the, the grades always just sort of tweak. You're already a great player playing at UNLV, right? you got aspirations to play professional golf. Like, it's not a – retool it's a it's a it's a tweak right it shouldn't be over complex at that at that point it's you know your swing probably had a little dna to it already like that's how you swing the golf club and they sort of tighten it up a little bit right is that a fair assessment yeah but i you know i think you know you have to remember i was coming from wisconsin i think that um you know i i was just i i would consider myself an average college player um yeah, I played for UNLV. Um, we got to play against, but here's, you know, here's, here's the catch. I mean, I got to, I got to play against all the, you know, the great players from Arizona state at the time or USC, Stanford, UCLA, um, all the, you know, teams, a lot of schools in California and Arizona and New Mexico and even Utah at Brigham Young, you know, and BYU, you know, they had some great players at the time. And yeah. so they were playing, they were playing circles around me. I mean, I was, you know, I was this little kid from Wisconsin who played basically, you know, Memorial Day to Labor Day. And other than that, the clubs were in the closet. So I always felt like I, I was, you know, in catch-up mode. I mean, I got up to UNLV and it's September and I'm like, our, our season is starting right now? <laughs> I don't play golf in September, right, you know? right, right. right. <laughs> so it was just, it was just wild. It was wild. I mean, that's why I went there because I could play golf all year round. But you know, I was like, "Wow, this is this is wild. This is great." So, but I had a lot of catching up to do. I I I really did. I, I improved, you know, during my college career, but nowhere near when I where I needed to be as the kids are of today when they graduate college. Uh, you know, to play in the professional ranks, I was nowhere near that. Chase, no, not even close. So, so there was a little work for Hank to do with you in that fifth year of. Uh... Tighten this thing up a little bit, right? I guess that's what you're saying. There was more more work than somebody who had been playing in Southern California their whole life at that point under professional teaching because, like you said, up here we do shut it down basically six months, seven months out of the five, five to six months out of the year. Yeah, we do. I mean, I, I remember playing spring golf and, you know, in high school, that's when we would start, you know, basically as soon as the snow melted, whenever that was, you know, that could be – could be March or it could be April. I mean, who knows? Right. And then you get in as much as you can. Um, but really, before that, I mean, I really, 
I almost didn't touch a club until literally Memorial Day. I mean, we didn't, you know, school was still in. I just never played golf after school. So No simulators um, and that stuff like we have now either, right? You might just had a net in the garage and a mat at best, right? And a radar gun. Yeah, How fast was, is it going? I mean, that yeah, was it. We had nothing. We, I mean, I had nothing growing up at least. So there was no indoor facilities really when I was growing up. Well, there is all this great new technology in teaching, and I have a two-part question on, you know, how did the academy come about, you know, and then how can people reach you at the academy? And uh, this Internet thing doesn't seem to be going anywhere, so I know you're working with, with the guys over at Virtual Golf Technologies of reaching more students that way, and you're also starting your own website at skipkendall.com. So, you know, since we got the academy, how did that come about, and this new kind of venture that you're doing to reach more people if they're not in the Orlando area like wow teaching is it is is changing quick right and probably for the good because you can get so much information now just doing it you know through the internet essentially well you can um you know I I I met these guys at uh we were at a it was kind of an instructional thing um last spring uh some of my players were actually going to it it was a uh, mental coach that was there and these guys were attending and I met Stuart, Stuart Arkin and uh, Nick Morrow there, uh, virtual golf technologies. And Nick was actually filming it. Um, Stuart was kind of going through the, you know, the day, the program that, that we were at as were some of my students. That's why I was there. And it was a, it was a guy that I had worked with, you know, on my, uh, during my career, and that's how it all came about. I had no idea these guys were going to be there, and that's, but that's where I met them. So one thing led to another. They came out a couple of days later to the academy. I kind of showed them what I do, and, you know, it just bled into, hey, we need to do something with you, you know, for short game. There's really not that much out there. Um, and, and let's face it, you know, 70% seventy percent of your shots or maybe even over that are coming from 100 yards and in for, you know, the average player. Um, and that's why, you know, I told them right away that I teach golf backwards. My forte, you know, on the PGA Tour was always having, you know, a good short game putting, short game, and then obviously distance wedges. There was no way I could survive out there without that. Right. So I knew very early on that I, that I had to be, you know, one of the better ones in those areas. So, um, you know, I had some great teaching. I incorporated a lot of stuff myself. One thing led to another. We started filming, um, and it just turned into a, a really nice virtual academy that is now, it just launched less than a week ago. It's on, you know, skipkendall.com. And, um, you know, the, the videos are great, and it's, it's all dealing with short game from putting, working into the short game shot, you know, chipping, bunker play, um, my wedge system that really that, that I made myself from the PGA Tour um, into something that, you know, that I do. Um, I think most teachers teach hands of a clock, you know, when they're doing a wedge system. I'm fine with that. I don't care. I just, I found that too subjective. I, I never knew where my lead arm was. So, I never could, you know, dial in that, those shots. So that being said, you know, I have my own system that I explain on there and I think it's just, it simplifies everything. And, you know, from the putting into short game, everything builds into full swing. So that's the foundation. 
And that's why I teach golf backwards, you know, to begin with. Um, and it's just a great, a great tool for anybody to, to get on and, and learn how to, you know, do things properly and correctly, you know, with their short game. And once you do and you get that, I was watching Gary Player yesterday on Instagram. He was hitting a 100-yard shot, and he was explaining how important 100 yards within is. And he, he said he could take any 14 handicapper and if he hit any every shot from 100 yards and in, they would be a three tomorrow. It's probably and not far I off. totally agree with that. Right. I absolutely totally agree with that. You know, um, just too many people, especially when they get instruction, they go to a, an instructor and they get an hour of full swing and they don't get anything else. And granted, that's a very important component of the golf game, but, you know, I don't care how well you hit it. If you can't get it in the hole, you're really your scoring average really isn't going to improve that much. Right, and that's the thing from playing with tour players. You you can see like I always like when I played, you know, like even played with you or Zach or Tommy, whatever, whatever it is. You don't like, like if you guys like how much better even like the putting is from like twenty feet and in, right, compared to even like me, right? Like the more the how many of you guys make, or if it doesn't go in. Oh, good putt, pro! Like close, right? Like it is. The difference is crazy of how you guys take advantage of an eight foot putt, a ten foot putt, a six footer to keep a round going, versus even a good amateur player, right? You can really see when I play with the terrain pros of how much better they really, really are, and that's how you get five, six under par in a good round of golf, right? Like you have to take advantage of those situations. So here's where I'm going to go with that, Jace. And that was a good setup for me <laughs> because I, I firmly believe that if you, first of all, I think you're, you're a pretty good putter. Okay. That being said, if you were to go through my system and you really understand the three sections of my system, of my putting system, I think anybody can be a good putter. All right. Now being a great putter, I, I don't hold many people in that category. But that being said, a good putter can definitely make a difference, you know, out there. It's a difference maker. It's a difference of being, I would say, a 10 handicapper to a 5 handicapper. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talk about, like, tour players and why they're so good. It's not that it's, – it's just the structure of their practice. You know, tour players have figured out how to practice correctly. And once you do that, you progress, you know, at a high level, you know, at a really high rate too. You get better. But if you're one of those guys and, you know, amateur golfers that thinks they're going to get better by dropping a couple of balls on the putting green and putting around for 15 minutes, that really does nothing for you. You're, you're just not going to get better putting. And how many, how many people that you play with, or maybe even yourself, if you have 15 minutes to putt, you go over to the putting green and drop a couple balls on the green and putt around. I mean, most everybody does that, right? Oh, yeah, and then I'm bullshitting with everybody on the putting green at the club while I'm doing it. It's like a half social event. Of course. Yeah, right. Of course, of <laughs> yeah. course. Right, and, there, I mean, there's my putting practice. Yeah. No wonder I don't putt it great, right? Like, also, I'm not putting any effort in at this juncture in my life either. But, yes, you are correct. There is. Right. No, and I'm right. smart enough, been around enough. Like, for me at least, I know I'm just, it's 75% social. And I, like, but you're correct. If you really think you're going to get better doing it that way, nah, 
you got to have a system in place, right, that you're really working on things to improve. Exactly to your point. Yeah. And like I said, you know, in my in my the virtual platform, you know, I go through the system. I, if you want to be a better putter, these are the steps that you have to take. It's it's, and I'm not a big mechanics guy either. I mean, I think putting is an art. I think you know it's all about using your imagination, lining up, you know, making sure that you know the speed and the line fit. But in order to do that, you know, there's things like in the setup that have to be the same, you know, that have to be the same every time, that have to be correct every time. If you're not there, and it's not that many things, but if you're not there somewhere along the line, you're going to have to manipulate your stroke to make up for that poor setup. And there's always a cause and effect. So when you learn these things, though, you can really improve at a, you know, at a a high rate. So, um, you know, I, listen, for people that just want to go out and enjoy golf and have fun, you're outside. It's a great game. It's a great game. But if you want to improve and really lower your scores, you know, there's certain things you can do in those 15 minutes that you had, you could do a couple of things just to really improve your putting and follow the structure that I, you know, that I put forth in my, in my virtual academy. Well, how about this ne- next year? I'll have a new left knee so I can actually, uh, I can actually <laughs> attempt to play normal golf and, uh, I, I would I will I'll be motivated this spring once healthy or early summer and I would I'll, I'll I'll follow the instructions online I'll text you if need be I'm gonna put a little work in on it this year that once I get fully healthy because I really want to start improving again and you know when you're injured it's it's hard you're just sort of playing with what you got and there's no point in putting the work in when it's you know you can't plant your left foot um, I'll, I'll put the I'll, I'll I'll make a deal with you because my putting sometimes is a weak point and I know this I. I'll, I'll I'll put the work in. Let's see if we can make a little progress this summer and being more consistent. Oh, I, well, I know you will, and I, I know I kind of felt bad for you last week. I know you were hurt last week when you were playing with your left knee being so bad, but you still played pretty yeah, decent, though. Yeah, you, you know, I played fine for not being able to, you know, plant a leg and turn. I thought it was – look, I had a blast, and I had limited expectations. And even if I'm shooting in the 80s, I mean, what a great experience. I'm in warm weather in Florida and getting to play golf with you and the guys. Like, how much fun is that? So, but I'm ready to, I'm ready to put some work in this spring to, to get kind of where I want to be again. Right. So I'll, I'm going to follow that online at skippendle.com. I'm going to do some work this spring once we're ready to go. And I really do want to get the short game better. I really do. Like, I know, and I see it more and more with the more, you know, lucky I get to play with some touring pros and, Watching all of you, it is, you know, I watched Tommy out at Las Vegas Country Club when I played with him last time, put a 30 up on me in our match on the front nine, and it was a short game. It was savant-like, right? Like 12-footer in the oh, hole. Yeah. I mean, right when he's on, it was on. And Tommy it made, play. Yeah, and it made it look easy, but I'm telling you, he putted it great. You can't shoot 30 without putting it great. He putted it great. And you just go, okay, there's the difference. The ball striking was good, (laughs) but the short game was insane. You know, every advantage he could take on that front nine, he did. And he just walloped the hell out of me. You know, in a 60s still, it's that good. So you can see it, right? And my eyes have been opened even more. Like, you always knew there was a difference. But when you see it up close over and over, and it's not just Tommy or it's not just you, it's even like playing with all of you guys – 
have that elite level of short game. And you realize that's how you guys can turn a 74 or 73 when you don't have your best stuff into a 69 that day. That's so true. I mean, that is so true. You know, uh, I, I'm trying to make short game. You know, right now, you know, people are, you know, guys are hitting it so far now. The ball's, you know, it just seems to be traveling further. I mean, not so much for the amateurs because, you know, it's all about club head speed. And, you know, the tour players and corn fairy guys and even the college players, you know, the teaching of today, they're all learning how to, you know, really get that club head speed up and ball speed just flying off the face. And, you know, guys are hitting it so far. Well, I'm trying to make short game sexy. You know, that's that's my goal. You know, while everyone thinks the long ball is like, wow, you know, they're going crazy. Well, you know what? What about making that 30-footer on your first hole? What about consistently getting it up and down from bad places? I mean, you know, that's sexy to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm never going to hit it, you know, 320, 310, even 300. You know, that's just not my game. But, you know, how about knocking wedge close at 54 yards to a foot? Right. You know, to me, that's sexy. And that's what I'm trying to get across to people. That's how you lower scores, too. I mean, that 310 drive is not going to do you very good down the middle if you can't produce the second shot, you know, from 84 yards. And, and not everyone's going to be able to produce that horsepower, right? Like, I could lift all the weights, train all I want. I probably just don't have the athleticism and firepower and fast twitch muscle fiber. You know, maybe I'll max, you know, maybe I can get to 105. I'm not getting to 120 was never going to happen. So to your point, imagine how many amateurs, if they just focused on 100 yards and in, you don't have to be the greatest athlete in the world to to massively improve that portion. Jason, right? you would knock your handicap in half. If you just focused on 100 yards and in and really quality focus, not just quantity, because sometimes if you don't learn what you need to do, you know, dysfunction causes more dysfunction, and you actually get worse. Right. You have to learn, you know, what you need to do, and then you focus in on it. I promise you, you will cut your handicap in half, if not even more than that, just focusing on, on 100 yards an end. Besides which, even if you were working on your wedge play, it would really help your full swing as well, because basically that's why I teach golf backwards too, is because, you know, you work to the short game. The short game, you know, foundation shot is basically the takeaway of your full swing. When you get the distance wedges, now you're working on basically a half swing of your full swing. So you're working on that and getting that path down. And so then it just builds into the full swing. So you're just going to improve in every area anyway. So, but you have to learn how to, you know, go from point to point and, and do it correctly. I didn't bring this up. We we had the and everyone knows you have the academy down there in Orlando. If they want to reach you for personal lessons down at the academy, if they're in the area of Orlando or visiting or living down there, what's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, best way is probably through email. Um, my email is s Kendall. My last name K E N D A L L zero nine zero nine at gmail dot com. That would probably be the best way and easiest way to reach me, and that's that would be reaching me directly. So uh, that probably be the easiest way right now. If things progress, that might change, but um, you know we'll have to see. 
was going to ask you about your playing career. I know you won, you know, in your 40s on the Corn Ferry Tour. What did that victory mean after, you know, all those years? And like you said, there's a lot of young guys, you know, up-and-comers, and you can still beat them. Did that, did that one, was that pretty special? That was special. Um, at the time when I won, I think I was, um, gosh, I think I was, I might have been 48, maybe 47, 48. I don't know, one of those. But, yeah, that's pretty old to be winning out there. So being able to do that uh, was really special to me. And I hadn't I hadn't won in a while, so uh, it made it even more special. You know, I did it in uh, when we played in Bogota, Colombia. I think the advantage I had there was that, first of all, you're playing at 8,500 feet. So the ball goes far. <laughs> right. Uh, it wasn't a super long course at all, and it was very, it was actually very tight. So, I mean, I'm licking my chops on any place like that. You know, it's just all about ball control, you know, so on and so forth. It wasn't about power. It wasn't had nothing to do with that. I putted well that week and, um, you know, happened to come away with the win. I think that, um, you know, that was just kind of a culmination of, you know, putting in some hard work. It was the first tournament of the year that year, and, I put in some hard work. I was actually coming off thumb surgery from the prior year, but I had, you know, kind of recovered. And that off season, I put in, um, you know, some some good work because I really hadn't played. I had probably six months recovery there, so I didn't have much chance to, you know, play the prior year. And, and uh, but I put in some hard work after I healed up that off season to get ready for the first event. And um, you know, everything just kind of came together. I played really well, and you know just got it around the course. Like I said, you know, it's a chess game and at 8,500 feet, you're, you're doing a lot of guessing. You got to control trajectories. You, you know, you had to shape shots because there was a lot of dog legs there. And I think they still play there today. Although I think they play both courses there instead of just the one that, that I played on that year. It's still, but, uh, it's, it's, a great a re- place. it's a remarkable accomplishment though, to do it in your late forties like that. Like it has to be a hell of a confidence builder and satisfying. Right to do it at that stage of your career, yeah. Hey, kids, the old man's still old relative speaking for that tour, but the old man still got it a little bit here, right? Like you're talking about that experience and what they could learn from it, right? Like it had to be a really cool moment to know, like if you put the work in, you still have the skill set to win at a really high level. Yeah, that was fun. I got to say, I think uh, that was when. I think Billy Horschel was playing that week and he, he was having a good week. Um, we never played together that week, but I think he, he was like right there the whole way. And that, this is when, now this is going back a lot of years. So this is before Billy, you know, really got on tour. Right. And, um, you know, he was, uh, you know, just paying his dues on, you know, on the corn ferry tour at the time. And, um, you know, I think I ended up clipping him at the end along with, you know, a couple other guys that were, that were up there, but, um, you know, yeah, he's, he's had a heck of a career since then. So that was, that was pretty cool to beat some of those guys back then. Exactly. You got them that week. Um, I was going to ask you too, about some players you competed against, cause you played in an era, I don't know, you had a lot of, there was a lot of competition. It was a great era of golf when you were on that 
kind of 15-year run on the PGA Tour or something. Can I throw a couple names at you? Just give me your first impressions of what it was like to compete against these guys, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. All right. VJ. What comes to mind when you just think about his game competing against him, playing against him on the PGA Tour in that era? Well, I I, I, I don't know if I have enough accolades, actually, to say for every, everyone that you're going to list here. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, because, you know, they're all great. You know, BJ was awesome uh, to play with because when I was playing with him, that's when he was pretty much at his best. And, um, you know, when he was winning all those tournaments, and uh, it was was really cool. And, I I mean, I don't know. Like, you're going to name every player. Well, no, I'm going to go a few, but is there like – I don't know what to say because they're all pretty – They're all great. But is there one thing, like if I say VJ, that just pops out to you, right? If I just said VJ, is it – Oh man, did he iron it great? Or the word like it would just instantly kind of pops into your mind when you're when you when you think about okay, that well, guy you're playing against. Here's here's what I can say about BJ. So when back then when I was playing with him back then, I mean certainly I played with him since then on the Champions Tour, but back then he would get really upset if he missed it left. So if he missed it left, he could if he missed it a foot left in the rough off the fairway, he would be livid. But he could hit it a fairway over to the right, and it wouldn't bother him in the least. So he was playing the he modern just, power he, fade then. He, just he hated the ball going left. And that's the one thing that I can say about BJ that he was all, he always stuck with that though. He power fade was, you know, off the tee, it was it was pretty special, you know. Um he he just couldn't stand missing shots to the left though. That drove him crazy. And he really worked hard on, you know, we all know his work ethic, my gosh. I mean yeah. hard work I mean that would be VJ thing. I mean, if I could say anything about him, I mean how he's still standing upright with how many golf balls he's hit in his lifetime, I have no idea. <laughs> but uh it was it was pretty awesome to watch. I mean he would be up there from, you know, early morning to basically until it got dark. And you know, maybe lunch and dinner in between, and that was it. But that was, I mean, he would, it was all day. John Daly. Oh, man, fun, you know, fun to play with. Give you the shirt off his back. I mean, just, just uh, always uh, keeps you on your toes, you know, great guy. Ernie. Never played with him. Never played with him. To this day, to this day I've never played with Ernie else. Yep. We never, we've never, uh, never matched up. So can't say. I mean, obviously, great player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the I, golf swing was just effortless never, power. Yeah, no, we never got paired together though. I, I all my years on tour and his too. I, and I would never have not guessed paired. that one. Yeah, I sort of you had a little <laughs> battle with him at some point in time in a tournament, right? As long as you were out yeah. there. Yeah, uh, we were never in the same group though. Phil. What was it like, oh, oh, man? Yeah. Like, like, I mean, you went up head to head against him. You had a playoff with him, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like, what was it like, like, go, like going like Phil? Like, if I just say Phil Mickelson, what comes to your mind from that standpoint? Um, I would have to say, uh, you know, really of anyone that I played with, the most talented. Just raw natural talent. Just amazing. Um, you know, very aggressive. Obviously, um, he would hit shots that I don't think anyone else would even try. Um, incredible stuff. 
Uh, not always working out in his favor, though, that's for sure. But he he certainly wasn't afraid to try him. But I think just with, you know, the sheer shot-making ability um, of stuff that I saw when I played with him, it was – you had to admire it. It was phenomenal. And And not everything, you know, like he would get it – you know, you may not always hit it completely, you know, right down the middle off the tee, but that was the beauty of it. You know, he always found ways to, you know, get out of trouble. And, and it didn't always pan out, you know, in his favor, like like I said, but he wasn't afraid to try everything. And I, I always really admired that about him. But just sheer shot-making ability, you know, him and probably Corey Pavin would, would come to mind, you know, of just unbelievable, you know, what they see and how they hit shots. Right. I mean, Corey hit shots like there was a tree ten feet in front of him on every every shot. <laughs> Didn't matter if there was a tree there or not. It's going. Well, I think no, we, were, we were driving. No, you're telling the story where Jimmy hit like was a drive. literally there ten he, feet in front of him. Yeah, and he hit yeah. the drive like over the, the people's was, heads, and they're all ducking, and there was no point. I mean, he didn't even need to do it, but he was like completely confident to start this power fade over people's noggins and bring it back. Like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, got this. Oh yeah, I mean, it was it was like I said, that tree was non-existent. And it was it was there ten feet in front of ten yards maybe in front of him, and he had to curve it around it every time. It, it was you never really saw too much of a straight shot with with him when I played with him anyway. It was always curving one way or the other pretty much every time. Love it. Uh, last one we got asked Tiger. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, it it was more of I mean just awesome, you know, but it was more of um, you know. Just watching is, you know, more like for me, like being able to be up and close and personal and just see the, the concentration and the focus, you know, before he got into a shot. And, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. I'm playing with him at third round at Doral one year and really windy conditions. I think our, I think we were playing with Justin Leonard that day. And I mean, scores are really high up there and, I don't think I, I'm not even sure what I shot that day, but and I don't think Justin played all that great either. But coming down 18, um, you know, Tiger was a couple under par for the day, which was legitimately six or seven under. You know, right, when, right. you know, if there was no wind, and um, you know, well, he just dead into the wind on that par four, that blue monster hole. It's just one of the hardest finishing holes in golf. And it's into the wind. So now it goes from like 500. It's literally like, I don't know, you know, 550 or whatever. I mean, it's just crazy long. It's, cra- it's impossible. So he just laces it down the middle. And we're walking up to our tee shots. And he's like, he looks at me, you know, he always puts a PY and everyone's name, you know, everyone's name. I always ends a Y, I should say, on everyone's name. He goes, Skippy, Skippy, Skippy. You know, if I, I make par on this hole, I'm in the last group tomorrow. And, you know, like, translation is <laughs> right, if he makes par in this hole, he wins the tournament. Right. Because he knows if he's in the last group tomorrow, he wins. You right. know what I mean? So, I mean, I thought about it that night. I was like, wow, that is just incredible. And uh, sure enough, he hits five iron right in the middle of the green. And, you know, easy two putt for par on an impossible hole that day. And, uh, you know, obviously goes on to win the tournament. And um, I just like that was just awesome, you know, like stuff like that that 
that he knew that if he, you know, made par in this hole and he's in the last group the next day, I mean, he wins. Right. Game over. So that was awesome. How cool is that? That was awesome. Well, thank yep. you, like, so much, you know, for the time today. You know, it's a, a, always just such an interesting conversation on the teaching and everything you, you know, have accomplished in golf. You know, it's it's pretty damn cool. Six wins around the world and as long as you've done it for. Um, and like I said, what an honor for me last week to be able to play with you for a couple of days. Like, you know, it was it's, – it's you guys are still my heroes, even though I'm not supposed to be in that position anymore. I grew up watching you guys play of, of that generation, and it was it was such an honor and so much fun and to see how much talent you still have. It, it was uh, – it's so cool to see it up close. So best of luck, you know, with SkipKendall.com. I know the teaching's going really well, and it's such a cool outlet for you to do it on the virtual platforms anymore. So I, I don't uh, – see anything but uh, positive vibes for for what you're doing in 2023 and then um you know hopefully you're still getting a few champions tour events and get you kind of wound up to get that competitive juice going a little bit you know we'll be following you too at sub 70 if you're out there playing and kind of give some updates on scores and stuff like that but you know i know how much you still enjoy to compete and how pumped up you get if we can you know if there's a few events that work for your schedule this year just kind of still go out there and compete with the boys and you know, and see what you got still. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I you know, you always have that competitiveness in you, and you, you always want to, you know, I want to get back out there, see the guys a little bit, and, um, you know, it's just it's just fun for me now. And, and you know, but when I do go out there, I want to play well. And, and listen, Jason, I, I, I'd like to say, you know, thank you for, you know, helping me out with everything with Sub-70. I, I, what, you, what you have created there, I think, is just an amazing company. You have amazing golf equipment, equipment. And, um, you know, if people hadn't seen that, I, I, I would love for them to, you know, go check your site out and, you know, see all the, the variety of clubs that you, that you offer. And, you know, they're fantastic. So, you know, for everyone out there, sub70.com, go check it out. I appreciate you doing that. I really do. And like I said, it's an honor to work with you. So best of luck. If you need anything, reach out. And, um, yeah, if, uh, like I said, if you need to reach Skip, you have the email address. SkipKendall.com. Go see him. Your golf game will get better. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Take care.